Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 229 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's episode, we're talking about Leo Gang and the Mountain Bike World Cup that happened there. Predominantly the cross-country XCO race and also the XCC short track races. And then we get into a little bit of downhill at the end. Uh, we're going to talk about the race. We're also going to talk about the implications and just how all of the main players are racing going into the upcoming Olympics. It was Zach, Elizabeth, and myself for this show. Michael uh, was out on assignment working on his hot lap summer project where he's following around automatic racing uh, at, at all of the biggest USA crits races. And he's... Uh, He's uh, uh, editing the first episode of that, which you can check out on the Wide Angle Podium YouTube page. So make sure you do that. Also head on over to WideAnglePodium.com. Become a member. Donate to your favorite shows. Criterium Nation is still keeping things hot. So check out that show. And yeah, help us uh, continue to do what we're doing. And what we're doing right now is talking about mountain biking and Leo Gang on episode 229 of Cyclocross Radio. And that, my Cyclocross friends, we're doing right now. We are back in the media pit. We're talking mountain biking once again here with Elizabeth and here with Zach. No Michael tonight, so I'm going to have to go, go to his understudy, Zach. How's it going? Bill, I'm kind of disappointed that the whole Leo gang isn't here. Aww. Well done. Well done. Kudos. Should we, uh, should we get right into it? Should we talk how many, about on a, on a scale of one to five bodies, how many, how many bodies <laughs> do you get for that one? Well, I, I, that's, a, that's hard because there's a lot of parameters that go into it where I think that Elizabeth and I were genuinely, um, you know, like, hey, that's pretty good. Where that's not really, that's not the scale you're going on, but it's more of a grown scale for Bodie. So, so I don't know. I, I, I think you still have some work to do. Like, if it were Leo season, then it would be like double pun, you know, but we're still in Gemini season, just barely. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay, Elizabeth. You know, I'm just going to try to pick up the slack there, you know, yeah. help out a little bit. See, that was actually good. Like, that was like next level punnage. <laughs> Mine was like really low hanging fruit. That's really all. I think like, I've just, I think that the, just to, to forewarn you guys, I think that's like the, the quality of this, my, my contributions compared to Elizabeth's for the remainder of this show. So let's, let's do that. Let's do it. Uh, let's start with the uh, women's short track race. Um, Elizabeth, you want to set the stage? Hey, can you just talk about maybe, and I think this may be a good way to start, and it may be a little, um, we may have some hot takes on it. We we talked about short track and what we're looking at from short track in the last two rounds from the Alpstadt, which seemed a little single tracky. Then we went to Nova Mesto, and it seemed like, okay, this is going to be wide open, and then they changed it, and they put the rock and roll section in there, and it sort of closed it off again. And then, Elizabeth, we come to Leo Gang, and what were we looking at? I mean, I guess they heard us. It wasn't a lot of single track in that. Um, wasn't a lot of 
I don't know. I though a lot of things about Leogang and its courses uh, leave things to be desired. Um, though I did watch a POV. I'm getting ahead of us, myself here, but I watched a POV video of the a full lap of the Olympic cross country track, and there are sections that aren't broadcast, including some that prove to potentially be deciding factors in the women's cross-country race that look like legit pretty cool and pretty difficult but uh yeah wide open and climby um oh is that why we were is that why we'd get stuck on like back trackers a lot and just see a whole like when they were out in that long climb because the leaders were probably going through a a a dark area Mm -hmm. yeah so there's some like cool spots in the woods but this is in the cross-country course short track Short track course, pretty, uh, you know, well, a lot. Everything is very visible. Um, I am, I, you know, it's funny because I'm not opposed to something like a little bit of pump track being in a short track course or something like that. Um, but Leo Gang really tests the limits of how much sort of bike parky kind of stuff you should include. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, it was a nice, good, open race course. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I mean, so to get into actually how this played out in the racing a little bit, um, I did think like one of the things that we saw in this race that we haven't seen so far yet really in women's short track this year or men's short track for that matter is the old school specialized team tactics uh, and seeing uh, Laura Stieger and Sina Fry play the old Kate Courtney Annika Longvad game. Um, ultimately, not to complete success, but they did it, and it was it was cool to see. And yeah, you know, I have been excited about Stieger for uh, a while now. Um, seeing her come up into the elite ranks and. Uh, knowing that this was her home course, uh, I was stoked to see her go off hot and and then have it click. Oh, yeah, she and Cena are doing the team race here. Um, so I think that this course did open up seeing something like that, which we hadn't had the chance to see really play out in either of the previous courses. Yeah. So, Zach, Beck McConnell called this a mini XC course. And... This is the first time in a short track we just saw an enormous climb in there right from the bat, and I think that that, that specialized tactic that that Elizabeth is talking about looked really great for that first lap. But I think that long climb sort of paid its toll, especially you know for Steger who seemed to not be able to to keep the pace. But was this a sh- was was this a short track? Is this like cyclocross where we're like, oh, we can have a grass crit and we can have a climby course, we can have all different stuff, so we should have the same in in a short track? Is that is that how we should be approaching this? Well, I guess uh, the thing that was interesting for me is, uh, I mean, you guys have to fill me in. Like, have there been races prior to so there were worlds at Leogang last year? Have there been XC races there before? No, that was it. So this was the first time at Leogang that we saw people riding their bikes on a cross country. They've raced twice, ridden, actually were able to ride their bikes once because it was just a mud fest that they were sliding down the hills and carrying their bikes up them. 
Okay. Well, so I guess part of what was interesting is we didn't get to see the short track course last year because right. it was the world championship. So it was kind of like a little bit of an unveiling. Uh, I mean, I said that I liked kind of the uh, the splits and stuff. Uh, man, I, I mean, I guess I have established myself that I'm on team make it interesting, uh, you know, make it dynamic. I guess the problem is, as we're learning, uh, especially in the XCO race, that if there's a long climb, that there's one woman who is probably just going to win and she's going to win by a comfortable margin and it's not super compelling. So let's talk about second through fifth because that was uh more interesting and as we get to in the xco race uh that's basically all we watched um because (laughs) the cameras did a nice job of providing us so elizabeth uh you on a previous podcast you made the bold assertion that beck mcconnell is elite so you tweeted on friday and so i want to do this in parts because we'll get to sunday just spoiler alert but uh Elizabeth, you're probably feeling pretty smug sitting there Friday midday uh, on your assertion that Becca McConnell was elite. So come midday Friday here in America. Is Becca McConnell elite? Yeah, I mean, I think it was I mean, it's cool to see. Like she was she definitely had a great race on Friday in the short track in a discipline that she has said is not really her strength. Uh, you know, she does favor climbing courses, but usually that's not what you see in short track. Uh and and she had uh, a real feisty attacking style. I mean, she dang near closed the gap to Luana at one point and uh, and was feeling it, and uh, I was I I was feeling a wee bit smug, or not smug, but reassured, because I definitely like went back. I vindicated exactly, because I was like thinking, like, man, did, did I really oversell this? Like, I don't know, because I just get, you know, I think I I was watching uh, some videos of Elliot Jackson with the downhill racers, and like that's kind of my style. Like, I'm just extremely excited for everyone because I think they're all so cool. Um, and, and like, you know, Elliot Jackson's trackside and like talking about the downhill racers and has just like this hype. And like, I, I felt that and I felt like maybe I overstepped and, but, but, you know, she, she looked really, really good and, uh, and confident in a way, uh, in her riding, in her attacking. I mean, I think same could be said for Jenny Rizvedz, uh, who, here, if I, I, I I'm going to go in with, with wait, 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 uh, Elizabeth, with a, with a pun. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, wait, you have a pun? I have a pun. All right, I'll well, it's kind first. of a pun. It's a, it's wordplay. Uh, she was uh, serving up some Swedish chef style with her chops. A lot of chopping, you know. I mean, it's kind of a stretch. It's kind of a stretch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like really, it was it was aggressive racing on a course. That unlike a short track course that's more flat, was it was because it was short track allowed for some super aggressive, sharp attacks because it was going to be over soon enough that you could, you know, you weren't going to have to pay for making those moves um, in the same way that you would in a cross country race. Bill, yeah, Bill, speaking of, of being vindicated. Uh, if you haven't checked out the, 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 the only power rankings that matter, I mean, really the original, uh, you know, Bill didn't invent the concept, but you know, Bill is the one who brought the power rankings to the cycling realm. Bill, you made a bold prediction 
uh, in in the power rankings for one Yolanda Neff, and you declared uh, that she's trending back. She is definitely trending towards back, and I think that we saw a great glimpse of that during the short track, and it sort of goes into what Elizabeth was saying, and and I think that Yolanda, in a couple ways, one, we're talking about like just the close moves and the, the nice aggressive passes, and she was able to get in front of McConnell just on technical skill and ability and kind of savviness, but then she really played a foil to what we're seeing from Beck on the climbs, it, it just just with the power that McConnell has to take Neff, who looks like she's back in form, looks like she's going going fast, and she just blew her out of the water, I think, on the last lap and just crushed her up that climb. And that's what Elizabeth was talking about. She's closing the gap to to uh, Luana LeCombe, too, who was, I mean, granted, just in cruise control. I'm sure looking behind her and going, this one's in the bag. But still, it was the nice thing about Leo Gang is that they had these big, wide shots where you could, and it's just boringly straight you know they're not doing any turns they're not doing anything they're just going straight up the hill in the cross country and the short track so you could see the gaps perfectly and you could just see her motoring up uh past neff and and towards lecomp but yeah this was this was a great showing for neff i really think that she was she was powerful she showed that in a race that was really hot and people were blowing up that she was she was able to to maintain it throughout the end and and uh even you know um, hold off Rizved. She had 15 seconds on her by the end, who came in fourth place, and just uh, really good. So, yeah, Neff, well, I mean, in retrospect, I think another we have to sort of figure out where her backness is after we found out, you know, what 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 happened during the was it the cross country race, right? right? Yeah, she crashed. Yeah, ended up hurting herself. So, we'll see what's going on from, from here. But as far as just the results go in the weekend, really, really good. And then, really quick, I think it's worth uh, worth giving a shout out to a friend of the friend of the pod, Jen Jackson. Uh, she snuck her way into the uh, short track race, and she was all the way up to like thirteenth place. Like she was like she was dangling. She was there. She got some uh, some camera time, and then uh, I was actually it was funny. I was chatting with her, and I was like, "Oh, great race!" And she's like, "Oh, I just have to make sure to get some camera time so my mom knows that I'm okay and that I'm still alive." So it was all for mom. One spot off of the third row. Yeah, and so she finished twenty fifth at the yeah. end. She just missed uh, at the end. So kind of a bummer getting into that that third row. But still, I don't know. It's awesome to see her. You know, get her way into that short track race, and you know, get on. TV for mom. That's really what's ultimately important. There were some really, really standout performances, I think, in the short track in general for some people we haven't seen at the front. And, uh, you know, Rocio Garcia being another one uh, who it really paid off for, I think, on Sunday as well. Uh, and same in the men's race, you know, the, the, that happened. But I think it's, it's also interesting. Is this the first? So I was trying to I, I didn't actually go back and research, but this was the first time that the start grid went three rows deep uh, from short track. Had it? I don't think it did. In I the always other felt ones, like right? it was two rows. It but was maybe, always. Yeah. And then this week they were talking like, this is three rows. Yeah. And uh, so that, which is, you know, we're talking a more severe penalty for botching the short track race. I mean, a third row start isn't great, but a fourth row start is a lot harder than a third row start. 
I think they changed that rule for this year. Uh, I'm pretty sure because I think that I remember getting it wrong and then <laughs> looking back, and it's it, it's like you, but only top 16 or something earned you away into. It wasn't top 24 that earned you or 40. It was like top 16, then UCI points or something Got it. for getting into. Yes, top 16 in the World Cup, then UCI points to get you into the short track race. Yeah, but then but from for the, the, short... the seeding starts for yeah. Sunday, though, is. But we're talking about what get what it comes out of it. So, right. So you're still, so you're saying it's still one through 16, Zach, or it's one through no, 24? No, 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 it's top 24. So Got they it. changed that rule okay. for this year. It used to be top 16. Right. Got it. I think. A couple, couple other notes from the short track race and before we uh, get into the men's, and then we'll move on to the cross country after that. Uh, for, first off, Catherine P- P- Pendrel just stock rising, continuing. She did not get the memo on the Canadian group ride that was happening down there between 25th and 29th place where they were all, they were all together. Uh, but, uh, 17th, just phenomenal performance for, for Pendrel. You know, we, we joke about dad Watts a lot, but I, I think that we are certainly seeing some, some credence to mom Watts here. Cause she is just like kicking ass. And, and looking like the strongest Canadian coming into the Olympics. Yeah. Another exciting racer to have back in the mix uh, and feeling better was Malena Dagan uh, back in it, having a decent race. I think she finished within the top 16 uh, in the short track. So that was exciting. Yeah. And the last one I want to mention, finishing 18th, and I think really sort of started a narrative going into... Sunday and something that I think has been a knock and I'm talking about on Evie Richards for some time is Evie can't climb. I think that's always, that's always been um, the, the, the book on Evie Richards, just phenomenal power can just crush out there, but Hey, maybe she's better as a cyclocross racer. Maybe that's really where her strength is. And you see something like this in this really hard, climby short track, and she finishes 18th. And this is supposed to be a discipline, much like because it's, it's similarities to cyclocross that she's supposed to excel at. So I think that really fueled this Evie can't climb story that we saw coming out from Friday and, and leading into Sunday. I mean, I'd be okay if she raced cyclocross full time. Can you start this movement? Can we start the Evie? <laughs> Evie's no good at mountain biking movement. <laughs> Evie, Evie is still on the I like racing cyclocross because it's fun um, uh, tip. Yeah, but I know. There's All no right, reason well, anyway. that can't be your primary and have fun. God forbid you do something you know that's your that's your job that you enjoy. I think she enjoys racing mountain bikes too, though. I think so. I mean. And PFP is going to do the French uh, time trial nationals. So, you know, whatever floats your boat on the bike, I guess. All right. Should we move over to the men's race for the short track? Biggest story starting out and worth talking about. What's going on with Nino Scherter, Elizabeth? The guy, I mean... He he looked like a first-year racer out there at the start. It was so rough. It was so rough. I mean, missing your pedal is one thing. Like, missing it so badly that you fall off your seat and fumble and have both feet dabbing and drop all the way to the back. It Think was about painful. that poor guy in the second row who was like, oh, sweet, I'm behind Scherter. I got, I got the uh, free ticket to the front of the race. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's just like uh, the the visual too of him being dead center of the grid and just everything imploding and the field going around him. Uh, yeah, it bad news. And I mean, you know, <laughs> what is there to do from that uh, if you? Maybe already you're kind of not feeling it. Uh, trying to come back and put a race together within short track to chase your way back to the front from dead last um, is a big ask. Yeah. And even for the highest pedigree of racer, uh, I uh, I could see it taking a great deal of willpower and mental fortitude to decide it was worth it to do that. So, Zach, one of the things that a lot of racers didn't like about short track being introduced into the world cup weekend and having such a huge either uh, award or penalty on how you did is that it was a completely different discipline. It was a completely different type of racing. I know uh, just talking to Anton Cooper, the first year that it came in, he hated it. It's like, it's not what he does. It's fast. It's VO two max the whole time. It's usually flat. It's just not his racing. But then we get this race, and it kind of just was a like a pre-show of what we were going to see on Sunday. Again, back to what McConnell said, it was kind of a mini XC, and it sort of played out like that in the standing. So do we want the short track to be something completely different, or we do we want it just as kind of a an appetizer for the for the main event? You're really just throwing all of these like uh, these philosophical what what is what is short track? Uh, so I mean, it sounds like you're making an argument that short track should mimic uh, the course itself, like to you know if it's I don't know. I mean, like if it's more of like a you know if it's uh, so you know a bigger climb or something. If if the climbs aren't as big, maybe find a, you know make it a little bit more punchy or something. I mean, are we, are we saying like miniaturize the 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 vibe of the course into a short track uh, venue? I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question. Like, should it be should it be different? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like maybe doing. Uh, a time trial I don't, maybe it's like w- deciding a, a world tour with a time trial after many many mountain stages i don't know i mean i feel like in a certain way you kind of have to be dynamic but I, I guess i would be saying it'd be like using a, a crit to stage for a road race or something like that right is what you're you're saying well is, in terms of the difference yes and 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 elizabeth i want to get your view on this but my argument would be not that it should be that I, I not that it should be a mini one i like it that it's completely different and the the reason is it gives it gives people who may not be able to be near the front of the race because the the race itself may not you know meet their skill set or even they're just stuck in the back and never get a chance where that they can train for this they can become a short track racer and have the opportunity to be up front. I want it to be different. I want the opportunity for somebody like uh, Chloe and Aaron Huck to come out here and go, hey, this is what we do. We're going to crush y'all. We're going to be in the front row in in the cross country. But should they get then the front row starts? I mean, you could then make the argument that do both and just do it like where it's half the points, but you don't get the ben- the bonus of getting that front row start then. I yeah, I, way of doing it. I think the front row start is, uh, or the you know front two rows start is a is a really interesting mix to put in there though, because I think kind of 
going off a little bit what Bill was saying, it brings people who are not going to be high enough in the the you know the UCI rankings to make a front row start. It gives them a shot at it, and it's not really taking out somebody who is at the top of those standings from having a damn good chance of still winning the 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 cross country race because it's a longer race. And but having that little bit of a leg up for someone uh, to just see how how far they can ride it. And I think you know I think there were examples in both. The both of the cross country distance races for the men and the women this past weekend, where somebody who had a good short track performance, who's not somebody who's in the top of those rankings, was able to ride out and, you know, not finish on the podium, but finish in the top 10, where if they had started 30th, 40th in the grid, probably wouldn't have been able to be in front of the first bottleneck. Uh, in the cross country race, so I think it's I, I, I think that that mix up that dynamic. It's a kind of a wild card. I think it's probably as far as the I I, I feel like my the jury's out for me on whether it's part of the you know how it fits into the overall World Cup standings and things like that. But I do actually think that the start position part is a fun feature and. I am much also um, I'm I'm with you on this bill. Like I think it should be its own thing and shouldn't be a micro cross country course. Um, so here here's what I'll add to this, Zach, to sort of go with what what you were saying about maybe it shouldn't be front row. We all like when there is a story, there is a narrative, there is something. There has to be something at risk, and I actually think that UCI and Red Bull probably pushed them into this a little bit as well. If you if you have that carrot of the front two rows, everybody is going to try. That is so important for these races. If you're just like, hey, we're doing it, and you might get up a little bit, but not all the way up, then it's not going to be the same amount of effort. These guys have to give all they can and until they realize either they're in it and they continue or they're not in it, and they're just going to take their foot off the gas and then you know go buy their UCI points in the fourth row or well, whatever. And that's an excellent point. I think doing the three rows, especially, I mean, the penalty is steeper. Even if you said, oh, top eight. Well, and then you get like the Sonic Hunt last season. She's just like, ha, I don't care. I'll just skip the U.S. World Cups. Like that's one race that, you know, and those Americans won't even come. And you're right. I think that was probably the motivation to start with top two rows, front two rows is to try. But I mean, at this point, I feel like if you are an elite like athlete, like if you are one of the top riders, like you can certainly ride to a top 16 or even top 24 finish, regardless of whether or not it suits your skill set, I feel like. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe you won't get that front row start. But I mean, look at the results, you know, well, this one, but you we see a lot of the top riders still at the front of both the men's and women's races uh, at the front of the um Short track, but at the same time, I guess we're seeing with the top 24, three rows, what happens if you miss both your pedals and look like a total noob? And just that puts you in a world of hurt. So maybe Nino is a, a case study for why this is a good thing of why it should matter that, you know, if you just colossally screw up, like there's a steep penalty. Yeah. And I think on the, you know, to actually like one more little bit of that storytelling, because obviously I'm also a big fan of the story and the narrative is 
that the TV time that someone gets who has a breakout surprise performance in short short track, who's not a known name, who's not, you know, everybody's hero, has a great day in short track, gets TV time in the cross country race in the first lap. Uh, That's huge for someone, you know, I'm thinking of like Ochoa last year, the Mexican national champ who blew away the short track, short track race. I mean, unbelievably good race. Nobody had any idea who he was uh, in the bigger world of mountain biking. I mean, Rob Warner certainly had no idea who he was, couldn't say his name until three days later. Uh, But that for him, then getting that front row start on Sunday and, you know, hanging in there, then having a mechanical problem. But like, that's the having that kind of TV time that would never happen if you didn't have this different discipline mixing up and, and giving sort of a shake up to the way that that things go on. Yeah, And the Sunday. nice thing about having the race on Sunday is that you not only get that great opportunity, but then you have a day to talk about it. So it's right. not like it just turns around and disappears the next day. You still have you still have some time. Yeah. Speaking of Sunday, should we move on to the the cross country? We races? haven't really even talked about the men's race yet. Oh yeah, there was a men's race. Uh, <laughs> so it ends up uh, if Luke Jer- the Shadow Man is he is he out of the shadows? Is this it? It's, he's never won a short track race. Comes out here and. Maybe it is a preview for what we're going to talk about. It is a preview for what we're going to talk about on Sunday. But just just a, a wonderful performance. Be able to, able to get himself to the front. You know, him and Andre Sink, another just guy that we hadn't really heard about much last year or years before this. He was, uh, I think he was U23, did well in U23s. But uh, um, great performance by him. My man, uh, Milan uh, Vader ended up third. Jordan Sarone, uh, you know, up there a fourth. I mean, it was, it, Elizabeth, it was the people that we expect. Yeah. For the most it part. It was. And I think, you know, Sink had been kind of one of those that had had, he would come in and do every once in a while, like a great race, like Andorra. He would come in and he was, you know, riding in the tour. So he's, you know, got plenty of fitness total climber excellent climber um but you know wasn't really focused on the mountain bike which looks like a big pivot this season and it's great to see because anytime he would show up for mountain bike races it's not like he was bad but he wasn't in it like he wasn't in winning contention he was maybe wide angle podium contention and so seeing both him and Flickinger really go at it and have and I think you know the this really being a prime example of how the short track in this instance ended up being sort of a preview for the main event um, they each had some strengths to maximize uh, and some advantages that were a nice yin and yang to each other uh, to watch the two of them race together. But I think for, for Matias, like it, he was in interviewed uh, and was sort of talking about how, you know, he's, you know, he's the Swiss champion. They're asking about that. And he's like, well, you know, I've kind of always been living in, in Nino's shadow. Like I've been racing with him all of these years and, you know, that I think it's, you know, it, seeing a, a 
like chink in the armor there for Nino and sort of seeing like, ah, maybe I will have, you know, it's kind of like the Lars Vanderhaar <laughs> narrative of like somebody who's just like has the unfortunate timing of being in it at the same time as some really legendarily good people. Uh, and I think for, for Matthias Fickinger, that's been the case. And now here is this opportunity, like the clouds are breaking and, and he's having his time to shine, which is great to see. Cause it's like, in what other country do you have somebody who is such a phenomenal mountain biker on the world stage? Who's like, I'm always second best. Or third, like maybe Lars Forster's doing better or who, you know, it's just like that tough thing, like being in uh, in a federation that is at the absolute A game. Yeah. And nothing to take uh, it away that this went away from him, because I, I, I truly believe that we've seen over the past three races that he is one of, if not the strongest consistently strongest rider and which plays into if you didn't know there was no Matthew Vanderpool at this race or also was no Tom Pitcock at this race Pitcock I believe was planning on coming to it before getting hit and uh breaking his collarbone that seemed to has already healed uh 10 days later uh, but uh, that that sort of opened the door a little bit for him. He didn't he didn't have those those hitters to to compete against. The the other uh, mention in here, since I already talked about how he hates racing uh, short track, Anton Cooper coming in fifth, wide angle podium for him. I think he was uh, super excited about about that that finish. So you're probably saying that Anton Cooper is pro giant climb in your short track race. Yes. I think he is. I think any any elevation you have in a short track race, he is going to be 1,000% in, in favor of. And speaking of being in somebody's shadow, I think Milan Vader making a very good case for got to have some Dutch swagger uh, if you're going to be racing uh, mountain bikes. Coming through not only with a great performance, but crossing the line doing a wheelie and saying in his interview... When asked how he felt about today, did when did he know like he was having a good race? And he says, I knew I had it from before the start. Wow, he so, even sounds like Vanderpool. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> as uh, the Vanderpool understudy, I, th- that's a really you know, that's a conversation we can have down the road, but it's really interesting with those two Dutch riders. Vader's in an interesting place in that he pr- he won't go to the Olympics, right? They only have one spot that's going to go to Vanderpool in the future. If Vanderpool continues to race, he continues to race at the same level. They have a really great spot to move up in the nation national rankings and and earn more spots. And then even if Vanderpool gets tired of of racing cross country, moves over to downhill or whatever it is, you know, motocross or whatever he's going to do next then I think Vader's in a good position to sort of take over the, the reins and still hang on to that, that Dutch spot. So I think that he's, he's put himself in a really, really good position. Yeah, absolutely. It was nice to see that his sort of breakout rides last year weren't a fluke, that he was uh, really making good on, um, on his form or position and, uh, and with, with some swagger. Um, also the, uh, you know, the, Pretty decent performances from the Dane train 
uh, the two uh, Danish riders uh, there. I think also a little bit of uh, drama in terms of the Olympic selection because I believe um, that Finney is the one who got the Olympic spot uh, and... Um, was outperformed, or no, I think Andreasen got the Olympic spot and Finney outperformed him. That so, that sounds more right because yeah. I think that Finney really is having a better season. Andreasen's really sort of, you know, all these countries were looking at 2019. He had a breakout year that year. So really, it, it's tough. I mean, it's really tough. We saw that in the U.S. And it's, it's just really tough to, to figure it all out. Should we move on over to the uh, cross country? Go back to the women. I mean, I, I, I think like uh, if you had gone to just looking at the course um, and knowing that it had, I mean, it has one, it starts with a, a massive climb, as a lot of people noted. It's kind of interesting that for a, a bike park, and they were talking up the bike park, and they're talking about like the 80 kilometers of of trail that it has or whatever, uh, it seems like it's stuck uh, to like double track and to access roads and stuff. So they weren't really highlighting um, I don't know the what it had to offer. I mean, I will say I think like that shot of you know the riders going kind of through the field with the Alps in the background was super pretty. So I mean that looked really cool. Um, but from the standpoint of being interesting and dynamic, certainly on the way up, uh, it was kind of um, not super the most exciting. I mean, it seems like there were some parts you could see like the 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 Rudy downhill uh, that was would have been much harder if it was dry. I think, uh, you know, Jen Jackson had tweeted out that it was raining the day before and it was like kind of intriguing. And then it turned out to be like bone dry with a handful of uh, spots that were, were muddy. I guess I kind of missed too. I missed that really the, the cyclocrossy downhill section <laughs> where it was like the chooser. I kind of missed that. I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't have been as interesting, but I mean, it was so much fun to watch uh, Yolanda Neff pass like six people on that section every lap last year uh, and watch her, you know, just totally boss that while some of the other riders were just like white knuckling it and skating their way down it. But I mean, I guess I'll just say this as to the racing. I think looking at the course, uh, I was anti, I was negative excited for this women's race because I think that the outcome in terms of the winner was a 98% foregone conclusion. And Elizabeth, you know, just sort of going off on what Zach said about the course itself, I think the the biggest tell for that it's not the most exciting course is you can go back to the two stops before this, what we had, what we had at, at Alpstadt and what we had at Nova Mesto and what we had was a, a prologue, a, a, a starting lap that was wide and was controlled and allowed for it to be less chaotic so that once they got into the, uh, the, the, the course proper, there was a little bit of spread between riders and it was less dangerous. You didn't need it here. That's, that's kind of the knock on it. You didn't need it here. It just started on this huge climb and everybody was already spread out. And, and once they got to the technical section, it was done. All right, let's 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 end the end the suspense. Let's go to the to the beginning. So there was I did not I did not go back and Zapruder this and figure out at which point the race ended, but like I think it lasted a little bit longer uh, than Novamesto, the like six minutes and thirty five seconds that Novamesto lasts. So Elizabeth, like, started this race first ten minutes 
Is Becca McConnell elite? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so Luana was in third place by the first bridge. Um, So I I, I wrote that down. Like, how long is this going to take? It didn't take much longer before she was uh, shooting a beautiful Austrian tourism video while the women behind her were having a phenomenally good race. It was a super exciting race if you took out first place. So I think this is where, you know, I know we were going back and forth a little bit. Was this exciting? Was this not? I think it was a fantastic race, except for first place. Um, Lots of lead changes, really dynamic. I had no idea who was going to get second out of this really good chase group. Um, Becca looked good for a while, and then she didn't. Haley looked good for a little bit, and then she really didn't. I think Haley was, to her credit, really trying to take some fitness-based risks uh, in staying with Loana and seeing if she could cover these moves. I was wondering, she went back to Santa Cruz between the last round of the World Cup and this one. That is a lot of travel. That's a lot of stress on the body. Uh, I was uh, wondering if that might have affected her performance uh, in this a little bit. You also have to think that she she peaked for those other two rounds yeah. knowing that the Olympics were basically, you know, on the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and I think, you know, then it, it, it looked like, okay, maybe, maybe this is gonna, you know, maybe they're gonna fight it out. But then I think like the, the group, the chase group that formed and, and I do feel like, you know, it's, it's hard to say, like, can you call them a chase group when the gap gets bigger and bigger? But it's not like they were sitting around messing about. Like, they were still, they were not sitting up. Like, there were a lot of really dynamic attacks in this group. Um, you know, seeing seeing Yolanda Neff, seeing Jenny Risved's race in ways that we hadn't seen in several years um, from Jenny. Uh, I think, you know, she had shown some signs of uh, her her comeback uh, at the tail end of last season and, uh, well, even at the tail end of, of the 2019 season. Yeah, she won the uh, You know, being, you know, having the race at Snowshoe was fantastic for her. Um, but then... Seeing the way that she was racing on Sunday, it was like, oh, this is, you know, it's it's tactical, it's fast, it's aggressive. Neff obviously being very aggressive in that. Um, Stieger racing a phenomenal race. Uh, and I think seeing her, her confidence in um, punching, I think, above where she had been racing uh, and really making a true elite debut performance. You know, I know she's been in the elites for a bit, but not that long. And seeing her really go toe to toe and, and you know, close gaps down really quickly. Um, Pauline being in there, same thing. So, I think, I, I don't know, I was very compelled. I was exhausted when I watched it because I decided to do a mountain bike race myself that day for the first time in three years. So I was like, came home, watched it on the couch in the afternoon, very tired. When Loana was on the screen, I was like, this is a beautiful Austrian tourism video. And then it was switched to the chase. I'm like, wow, this is a really freaking good race. Um, and I'm very excited about everything that's happening here. I think you touched on too with... Uh... My favorite with Jenny Risvitz uh, being back. I mean, I know the story. I actually recently went back and watched the Rio race that she won 
Um, you know, so it was interesting to to see her. And then, you know, I remember those moments that she had and, you know, as the, the perpetual, uh, you know, I think we had a couple riders that were on full, like, are they back alert? Uh, you know, I think you did, you did touch on one thing that was interesting about this race. It's a one-off. So there's not even two World Cups. Riders were peaking for those first two races because they were, uh, for many, were included in the qualifications for the Olympics. So I kind of wonder if this is the kind of race that maybe we shouldn't read too much into. Um, I mean, obviously, we should look at these as good results at the same time. I think, uh, you know, uh, maybe a little surprised that there weren't some other riders, like just looking at riders who finish out the outside the top 10, like an Ava Lechner, Cena Fry, who didn't do better um, as kind of a chance to steal a race when riders. Because I would think if I was, we have a month and a half till the Olympics. Are you peaking for this event? No, you know, you're, you might be on a training block. I don't, I don't know. I'm not an elite athlete. I don't know how that works. <laughs> uh, so I just kind of wonder, you know, if this is a chance, uh, a situation where RISFEDS and Stieger took advantage of this opportunity. And it seems like perhaps they did. Although I do love this narrative. I would love, you know, this narrative of, you know, is Jenny RISFEDS back? <laughs> that would be great uh, if she's able to build on this and carry that momentum into the Olympics. And then, you know, also give us that narrative of, you know, she, she's a gamer every four years. She peaks, right, Bill? Uh, we love that one. <laughs> That's yeah. it. You got to, you know, contract years, right? I think there's one other thing that was really, uh, really shown in the women's race about this largely uninspired course is the A-line, B-line descent choice got used to really great dramatic effect by any number of combinations of riders. I mean, there is a point where actually, you know, between uh, Haley Batten and and Pauline Ferrand-Prevost going into that, where Haley made an aggressive move to get in front of Pauline for a line choice there, uh, there is, you know, that happened with like Stieger taking it to Yolanda Neff on that Uh and Yolanda and Evie Richards had put out a video ahead of time where they were sessioning the, that A-line, B-line. Um, spoiler alert, Yolanda was faster no matter what line she was on. But the, it was a pretty comparable um, A and A-line, actually. Like, the B-line wasn't necessarily longer or easier, and the A-line wasn't necessarily, like, a lot more difficult or faster it was how willing you were to risk the descent and shoot out of it, potentially colliding, T-boning the other rider. Um, so it really, like, it was uh, exciting in terms of line choice in a way that usually we see a lot of these A-line, B-line choices on climbs um, where the the risk coming out of it isn't quite as extreme where this one was, they are shooting down a barrel and at high speed. And it's a little bit more about playing chicken than about your fitness. And uh, it made for some pretty dramatic passes, uh, which was pretty cool to see. Yeah, it was really interesting because I think you're right. And it was, it's, it's one of those things I think Michael would be interested in since he's still trying to figure out what the difference between an A and a B line is. And I think that we haven't really given him many good examples to, to show what they are. And I think that the, the difference you, you nailed it, the A line here, the one that would be to the rider's right was more direct and gave a cleaner look at the track when they came 
and met and you would think, you know, just sort of human nature, you have the right of way if you're coming in at the same time with another rider because they're coming in at an angle and then have to go there. Of course, these are bike racers and at some point they're going to just try to push it as far as they can. So that really, that did really set up for some, from some dramatic moments in there. But again, it's another, it, 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 yeah, you nailed it. It's another AA line. Some race we may actually get a, an AB line in there. Uh, I, I did want to go back just real quickly in case people are kind of dipping their toes into mountain biking for the first time. And we're, we talked about Rizviz and we talked about her coming back. And it's really, it's worth Googling it and, and looking at, looking at the story. I think, I think Cycling News has, a, has an interview with her. And it's, it's Jenny Rizviz was the next big thing. She won the U23 World Championship. She won the 2016 Olympics. She was on Scott Sram. I mean, the, you know, with Nino, biggest team out there, most, and she ended up in 2018 walking away from it. One of the things that happened that started this was she got into this fight, and I think actually her team and Frishi all got into this fight with the Swiss Federation. With the Swedish Federation. Oh, I'm sorry, with the Swedish Federation. You're right, excuse me, with the Swedish Federation over, over product. And the Swedes had a contract for their national team with Pac. That was the biggest one for the helmets. And they were demanding that she wore a Pac helmet when she was racing for the national team. And Scott pays her bills. And she didn't want to do it. And I think there were other, other Swedes on that team in the same position. They never had a racer as big as her. So she was going to be out there possibly winning races. So this was something important. And she was not yielding on it. And in the end, ended up not making the team. You, you have like one of the fastest women in the world who did not make the world's team because she refused. It was an equipment choice that stopped her from racing. What it turns out in, is that that was kind of the tip of the iceberg for what Jenny Rizvids was going through. And I think that we are seeing a lot of this now with you know, Naomi Osaka and even, even cyclists like Marcel Kittle and um, Tom uh, Dumoulin. Dumoulin even more recently where the stress, the mental health, the just the that part of it that I think was overlooked for years and years and years in top athletes, Jenny was one of the one of the first to really say, "Hey, this is more important. I need to take a step back." And that's that's why she, you know, met with uh, Scott Sram. They they split ways amicably. Uh, she even in the cycling news article talks about she not only didn't want to race her bike, she didn't want to live. You know, and and going through all that, and then coming back and finally starting her own team. You know, and and coming back to it, wanting to race her bike again, wanting to have fun racing her bike again. Ends up in 2019 winning Lenzer Haida. That was just this huge moment, and since then, I think has to be looked at as as one of the best racers out. We already know, you know, we and it's not like she's old. <laughs> you know, she's right. Like, you know, she was so young when yeah. she won the Olympics. I mean, she was so young. She was still a U23. And so, I think that's kind of, you know, one of the pieces of that whole narrative that you think about and you think about what happens, you know, and I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, foreshadow anything bad, but it always worries me when someone young is doing really, really well and what kind of a lens that puts on them, um, the pressure that's on them. 
when and and the the strain on a young person's mental health in that situation, the pressure, the you know being so under the spotlight, uh, magnifying glass, and every armchair critic, and you know far be it from us to contribute to that. Um, but I think it it's uh, it's so good to see Jenny find her own terms with it. Um, when she did come back with starting her own team, the way that she owned her narrative around that was, I think, really powerful. Uh, and it's cool to see, you know, Outride, uh, the, you know, this U.S. foundation um, coming in as one of the sponsors of her team or partners in her team, uh, having her teammate be another young American, Kelsey Urban. Uh, Jenny and Kelsey are making hilarious Instagram reels together. Worth a watch. They're like stopping on their pre-rides to hang out with the cows, um, dipping into cold rivers, looking at cats out the car window and getting distracted. They're having a nice time. And uh, it just, it really warms my heart to see because it was heartbreaking to see Jenny fall apart so publicly. Um, And, you know, then to come back with that vulnerability and, and to share what she had gone through um, at the same time that she's sort of able to to build up uh, herself again and 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 kick ass like she's a phenomenal mountain biker and it's uh it's it's really yeah it's really it's really nice to see that it's not just sort of like eh, she's you know she's there uh, no she's she's really damn good at it yeah for sure and to to sort of cut to the chase she ends up finishing. Second in this race, Laura Stiga. My joke is that she's she's got the heat of uh, of Mona Mitterwalder breathing down her neck, and the U twenty three is just doing pulling a, a LeCompte to every race uh, out there and just blowing away the field. So, you know, the the fight for who the best uh, women mountain biker or even mountain biker period from Austria is is definitely um, between those two. And then Zach, Sandy, poof, getting a little too Sandy. What's going on? Fourth place, Yolanda Nev. We learn after the race, broken hand. Yeah, I want to back up though. I mean, she was uh, at the earlier in the race. Uh, she was up there. She was doing well, and it might have been the second lap or something on the climb. She just like sank like a stone. Uh, like I think it was Becca McConnell just passed her and dropped her or whatever. And I was like. I was, I was, I was bummed. I was like, oh man, this is a great narrative. Like, you know, I'm going to hype up Bill's prediction. Uh, Neff is back. And then she just kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, she has that in, you know, she has her, her climbing style, uh, and it seems like her cadence was a little bit slower and she was literally just not moving. And I was like, is she, is she done? Like, did, was something happen? Uh, but then she came back and ended up, uh, you know, getting back in the mix and moving all the way up to fourth, um, but yeah, then we learned that she broke her hand. So this is the second race in a row that we've had a broken hand. You know, we had Kate Courtney didn't race because she was still out. Uh, I guess the thing that I was wondering about, and I don't know if there's any science on this, but it does seem like once you get hurt once, uh, you are more injury prone. It just seems like we see a lot of these cases where riders get hurt once and then they're getting hurt again and they're getting hurt again. Uh, and it may just be bad luck. I don't know. It's to say that, you know, she's she's injury prone or whatever, but it, it seems like a bummer. Uh, and with that, I mean, so does this mean she's out for the Olympics? I 
with Kate Courtney, it seems like it was a minor fracture and that she'll be able to race the Olympics. But it sounded like reading what Neff was saying about hers, that it's worse and that it seems like she's going to be out longer. I mean, it's like in the middle of her hand and it looked from the x-rays to be quite a break. Um, So hard to say if that it's something that she's able to, I think, I mean, knowing a fair amount of mountain bikers who had broken hands, um, it varies and some people are able to splint it and be able, basically, if you can break, um, you know, can you actually hold your bars, one, and break? And if the way that her break, her break, her B-R-E-A-K break is in her hand is in such a way that she can still hold her B-R-A-K-E-S, um, it might work out. It might be okay. Um, but it might really not. Uh, and the fact that she finished the race, I think, might be a good sign that it's possible. But also, I mean, you're chock full of adrenaline and... She's a little, she's a wild woman uh, when it comes to descents, and I think that was you know, I think potentially without the crash that we actually might have seen her in second place in this race. Uh, she was, uh, you know, I think not to read in too much to the fact that she hangs out uh, with her boyfriend Luca Shaw, the top downhiller from you know one of the top downhillers from the U.S. But she, on the downhill parts of the open field that were the bermed. Uh, sort of bike parky stuff in there looked phenomenal. Um, you know, pumping through the turns uh, on that, she was really carrying speed very well. She was sending that A line, B line really well. Um, but I think that to kind of go to your injury proneness question, um, I I think Yolanda is a risk taker extraordinaire uh, on on descents, and usually it. It works well for her because she's very good. It's not like she's taking, you know, writing checks she can't cash until there's one that bounces. Um, and, the, you know, it's it's too bad to see, um, obviously, because I think she really was in, in superb form uh, this last weekend. So hopefully her break is not so bad that she can't go to the Olympics because she also obviously performed very well at the Olympic test event. Uh so, well, so I was yeah. going to ask, I didn't watch that because it was during cyclocross season. And I think we were gearing up, uh, cyclocross season was getting going. Like, do, what do we know about the course? Is it going to be super technical? I, I think I could see where if it's something that is a more rocky, rudy, some kind of technical course, that'll make it much more difficult. But if it's something like Leogang, I don't know, maybe, maybe that will play. It seems like she will likely go for it. I mean, even if I had a broken hand, I would do whatever and shoot myself up with whatever, as long as I could still do my breaking because it's the Olympics and there's no guarantee that you'll be, even though she'll probably be on the Olympic team in four years, there's no guarantee. Like you race the Olympics if you qualify. So do we know, what do we know about the course? It has some big rock gardens. Um, It's, it's a pretty built course. I mean, like many Olympic courses, it's, you know, it's not a, a super natural rugged course um, but it has some pretty significant uh, rock garden sections there are some some similarities actually to um, to like the Lenzer Haida course or the um, trying to think which other the it's another one of the French courses uh, that has you know, some big big Le rolling um, 
Yes, La Bresse. Um, so, and, you know, some client descending, not like a super wild, rugged course, but it, it's it's chunky enough. I mean, it, it, it's not like, uh, not as wide open as, as Leogang on some of that. Bill, uh, you set the stage for this with the short track race for our favorite, say our favorite British woman racer. What happened? She did great. Evie Richards, sixth place, right in there. Uh, I think that she was uh, beyond stoked with that with that result. A little off the wide angle podium, so like one one step down from where she finished in uh, Nova Mesto. But Nova Mesto is where she's supposed to do well. That's her course. This is where, as I was saying, she's not supposed to do well, and she was beating a lot of people who are supposed to climb better, especially the one she came in uh, right before Beck McConnell in, in, in seventh place. So, you know, you got Neff in fourth, PFP in fifth, and then Evie Richards in sixth. I think, I think this was, I know Zach with that. You're not, a, you can't make a statement with a sixth place finish, but this was like a, a mini statement. No, you're right. Uh, you have to make, you have to finish fifth uh, to make a statement. We, we all know <laughs> that uh, for a long time listeners of the the media pit uh but i think you know elizabeth you made the point that the short track gives riders to kind of a chance to shine and stand out and i think you know evie richards it seems like is a rider who is on the radar of at least the announcers because of what she did in the short track last year i mean i think absent that if she was just kind of i mean she had good results in the xco she got her first podium you know but last year she was hanging out in sixth and seventh but people were making note of that because she was winning the short track so i think that evie richards is a rider uh that proves your point there so uh, yeah, I mean, she's been racing well. I think she got the her first podium finish uh, because they do the wide-angle podium. Uh, she finished fifth, fifth I think, yeah. at Novi Mesto. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, this is a good result for her, and she wasn't necessarily up there at the beginning, so it was a situation where she worked her, her way forward. Uh, but her friend that she finished with, the other question that I wanted to ask, of course, uh, Elizabeth, closing it all out, is Beck McConnell elite? Jury's the- out. Okay. Because I, I felt like she, you know, she went out hot and then she kind of faded and then it seems like she kind of recovered at the end. But that was just kind of maybe a case of going out too hot at the beginning and getting a little overzealous, which we saw her do at uh, Albstadt too. She was kind of like she made this big move and she was up in the mix and then she just sank like a, a rock. She didn't sink as bad here, uh, but still dropping back to seventh, I think is like. I don't know. It's just peak for uh, the the question of is she elite? Like I, I, seventh is good, certainly like sub topper quality, but like you know to be elite, I think you need to be pulling off those podiums, uh, you know, and competing. She's doing well in the overall standings, though. I'll give her that. I think you know she's putting in consistent performances. Um, somebody, you know, I think. Terpstra didn't have a great first half of the race and was able to kind of make a comeback toward the end, but I was surprised to see her not there. And I think for for Becca, what she did manage to do is put together a solid weekend, uh, a great short track performance and a decent enough cross-country finish to, you know, whereas Haley really sank and she lost a lot of ground in the overall standings. Um, and so I think there's kind of, I'm a, I, I'm a fan of people who can pull off consistency over, um, over 
you know, having big ups and downs um, based on the fact that that's kind of just how I am personally. Um, but I think that's seeing her essentially conserve um, that position when she wasn't necessarily in in top, top contention was good to, you know, hang on to that um, on a course where there's just like there's there was no rest. Uh, and like those those climbs just look just awful. Uh, and to try to even keep motivated to do it. I think this POV video I watched was from um, Emily Batty's teammate. And she's just like her Wahoo keeps auto pausing on the climbs. Like that's how bad they are. Like, yeah, she's doing a recon lap. She's not going at race pace, but this is a, a world cup level racer whose Wahoo is auto pausing on a climb. Well, good. That makes me feel better about all the auto pauses I get when I'm mountain biking. Right. I'm not moving. So that makes me, you know, the pros, they're just like me and you. Uh, so I like that. Exactly. All right, let's move over to the men's race. Uh, you know, we already we already kind of kind of spoiled this one, but uh, that uh, fluky had a great weekend. But this was a this was a good race, and I think that uh, you know seeing fluky up there, seeing Andre sink sort of the return, no longer the dangler. I mean, we we had him as the, the changler. dangler. Come on, he's the changler. It's so much fun to say <laughs> the changler. He doesn't sink; he rises. Gosh, right there. Right there. These are so much better than Michael's puns. Sorry, Michael. If you, <laughs> I doubt he'll. Oh wait, Michael is the one who actually does listen to the podcast after we record <laughs> them. I think he's the only one. Uh, so I'll just jump in here. I think that, uh, and I wanted to get your guys's opinion. I think like uh, there's no doubt that you know Matthew Vanderpool is as a certain dyna- uh, dynamic to the races, and now Tom Pidcock. Do you think that Flukiger kind of looked around? And he said, "All right." these other guys aren't here and I'm going to control this race. Cause I think there's that, I don't, I don't, as someone who's been uh, the person who shows up to a ride and is just like desperate to hang on. And I just race like, you know, please let me survive this versus like, if I feel like I'm one of the stronger riders, I race a more dynamic race and assert myself. I just kind of wonder if there was some kind of uh, that dynamic from, from those riders. Cause they, I mean, they, they, it broke apart pretty quick. Like there were, you know, some very obviously obvious aggressors in, in this men's race. I think I think it made a bigger psychological difference for Sink than it did for Fickinger. Um, I think it seemed like, you know, and I think maybe this is, you know, to go back to his nickname about, you know, dangling back like he wasn't. It's like, nope, I'm this is this is the two of us now. We're in it. I'm going for it. I'm not going to sit back. Like, we're going to ride wheel to wheel. And, you know, I think, you know, Koretsky had a decent start. Or no, that that was in the short track. Um, Cooper had a great start. I think, you know, oh, the other uh, Spaniard who had a great short track race, who then Joffrey, who I had never heard of before, Joffrey Coel, or Coyel, um, who, you know, this is somebody who got a front row start, who has never been on the front row before as far as i know um and you know alan hathard he has a good start you have a bunch of people who are up there in the mix but it pretty soon like they are not in contention for the win anymore and i think for it was kind of a bummer to see vader have a mechanical early on to see because i feel like how with how spicy he felt friday and how confident in his post-race interview i think he may have hung in there a little bit longer. Um, 
And Litcher, again, somebody who hasn't been having, you know, a breakout year has a good good race as well. But it was it was really about those two, I think, being in a position that they were looking at each other instead of someone else. And it provided a much more dynamic race between the two of them. Yeah, and you talked about Anton Cooper in, in third place, and we were talking about his performance in the short track race. And Zach, I think this is a guy who who took advantage of that. He he is somebody who can get lost in races if he's not in that first first uh, a row or even the second row. We've we've seen it in the past. He's he's a strong rider. I mean, he and this is the type of thing he can excel at. But it, he can also get knocked around in a pack, and sometimes isn't able to sort of spring himself out there to take advantage of of that climbing ability but the interesting thing is you know as much as i want to pump up his climbing ability he could not hang with that those front two and they just kept separating from him and that was flukiger you could see i i don't know i, I just see even even going back to Alpshad, he's just looks so strong on these climbs all year long and 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 sink looks like somebody who as we say, yeah, you're right. He's he's the Changler. He he just looks like he's hanging on. But here, I think he did a much better job. Even if he got dropped, he was always closing the gap, and he was even going out in front and front and pushing uh, Flukiger. There were a couple times where it looked like Flukiger may may lose may lose it to him. The one the one place that I think that Sink probably gained a lot of confidence, and Elizabeth, when you're talking about that AA line, is that. Much like Yolan and Nev, Fluky is, uh, is a risk taker. He just, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how much, how many uh, brake pads he's uh, going through on these descents because he really doesn't touch them much. He just sort of just, just goes. Sending it. He sends everything. I mean, you know, famously at Alpshot in 2018, he sent it right off of the course, you know, in the air and lost the race. So. Uh, that's, that's kind of his style. So it was, it was kind of, I think that Andre Sink probably got the most, I know he wanted to win the race, but probably got the most confidence out of that performance. And then talk about that battle in that fourth through seventh and eighth place. That was really where the race was. Yeah, that was also super, super exciting. And I think, you know, just seeing again, you know, in some similarities to the the women's chase group where you saw people taking advantage of strengths in certain sections. Um, I think this one, you know, this has a there were there was a lot of sections of this course that lent themselves to people being dropped for a little bit and having a space to attack and chase back on. And I think um, you know, and it was a different group uh, than we've been watching in the chase in some instances. You know, there were some, you know, I think the the Dane train um, seeing seeing uh, Andreasen and, and Sebastian Finney in there, seeing, you know, Scherter being okay, intense, Saru kind of up for a while, then back, um, Grio having a good race, you know, it was kind of a lot of names that um, haven't necessarily been those podium contenders, which I think, you know, to a certain extent, the narrative so far has been Vanderpool Pidcock, and and we haven't seen some of those other names, but I think it was, you know, Vlad Dosklo having a fantastic performance as well. Um, it was, it, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. But I think, like, I also in some cases, just sort of struggled to keep paying attention because there weren't as many features of this course that were really exciting to watch. So, like, there is racing that was exciting 
But it's like, okay, well, uh, they're on the long climb again. And they're on the windy climb again. And then there's the drop, and now it's over. And they're in the bike park. And they're going around a big crash pad. Uh, so, you know. But all that to say, it's, uh, it, was, it, was, it was good. I, you know, bummer for Alan Hatherty, I think, to have a broken chain. He did manage to still pull off a decent finish. But uh, bummer to see somebody who looked like he had a really great start to the race and um, was on some good form and maybe going to pull off something good having, having tough luck. Uh, are we seeing... Are we seeing like are we seeing the birth of the uh, mountain bike heat check mojo? I mean, I you know I you included Vlad, De- Vlad Daskalou as a joke almost. I mean, it was almost as a joke, but it was from you know with Naf. You called her being back. You said she was going to do the thing, and she had a great weekend. Uh, is there some is there some magic in these power rankings? I think it is. I don't think anybody. I don't think they're reading them or hear about them, but it's out there. It's it's in the ether. So it's just they're they're picking up on that that positive mojo. Yeah, Vlad. I mean, we knew it, we, just watching him in Nova Mesto in those two races that we had last season was kind of his coming out party. So you knew the guy had some talent. But yeah, the the reason he was included in the heat check was because he was the guy who made it possible for Tom Pidcock or somebody else from Great Britain to to race at the Olympics. So that was the cool story. Uh, I also want to like talk about Maxime Marat. Haven't seen him for a while. It was good to see him have a good yeah. race. Simon Andreasen, we slagged him a little bit in the short track. If he should be going to the Olympics, he, you know, beat Feeney by two two spots. So that was good to see. But then you talk about the heat check. Guys, we had it up there early in the season. Koretsky in ninth place. Scherter in 10th place. Um, Saru in 13th place. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm sort of with Elizabeth, like, if this is just an outlier or, or if this is a, a changing of the guard. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on yet in uh, cross country. Well, I would say one thing that's kind of a bummer about this. One thing that I was thinking about is we love in, in cyclocross uh, every year, the, the the weekend before worlds we get, uh, usually it's Hooger Haida this year. It was over, over I say, um, but we, um, you know, we get that race right before worlds. Everyone's coming off nationals and we have the ability to just overanalyze everything and, you know, make predictions that are sometimes wrong or, you know, change our picks like, you know, like I did and foolishly didn't pick Brand to win Worlds when all season I thought she was going to uh, because of based on one race. But I guess one thing that's kind of a bummer is uh, in terms of World Cups, this is it. So we're not going to get another World Cup before the Olympics. And as we discussed, uh, the Olympics are like the end of July. Um, so I guess it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I guess, or, I'm sorry. Uh we, like you guys were saying, it's kind of difficult to make any overarching predictions based on this. You know, are we are we really talking about some of these guys who finished, you know, fourth and fifth? Are they really contenders for an Olympic wide angle podium? You know, or should we be looking at guys like Nino and and Saru and some of the the other guys? So kind of a bummer that you know we that we can't overanalyze and make. Uh, predictions based on this race and i think i would tend towards the more outlier um while also being excited that you know especially these guys in that fourth through seven took advantage of this opportunity uh to battle for a podium um at a race that maybe other riders weren't necessarily peaking for and i think i mean kind of a disappointment with saru having won the world championships on this course to finish in 13th i think that of everyone in that mix was one that i was 
more surprised by in some ways, just because of that sort of extra boost of confidence that you have mentally if you've won a big, you know, you've won on a course, but then on top of that, won the world championships on the course. And I know, you know, we're getting a little far afield to talk about downhill, um, but, you know, Camille Belanche, who was a real outlier to win the world championships in downhill last year, won the Rainbow Stripes, and then doubled down and won the World Cup on Sunday, on Saturday. And so it wasn't a fluke, uh, in other words. And I kind of would have expected maybe Saru to have that additional I won Worlds on this course mojo, um, at least for a top five, uh, if not higher. And so that was kind of the like, ooh. Yeah. Sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anything else we want to talk about in this uh, men's race or just the races at full? I know I know you had some downhill notes, but I think uh, we've sort of been talking talking this one for a while. I feel like we should do just a separate downhill show at some point. It's been those were those were great races at like they were great races. The drone footage being oh. um just outstanding, uh the coverage being I mean it was kind of like when I saw that there were significant parts of the cross country course that weren't in the broadcast coverage. Uh and like why didn't they just send those downhill drone operators in there? Because we could have gotten some other stuff. Um but uh, I think, you know, the, the only other takeaway from uh, the the downhill race, uh, you know, two other ones, Valley Hall probably being the most anticipated ever step up from the, uh, the junior ranks. There's no U23 in downhill. You just go straight from juniors to elites. So biggest, uh, most anticipated step up. Uh, on her home course like there's the worst technical section of the downhill track is named after her uh and so uh seeing seeing her come out uh on on that have a horrible crash in the end and still manage to get second place um which goes to show how well she was in contention to win it until the very end um seeing Brooke McDonald come back uh from a, you know, what looked to be a career, if not life-threatening crash at Mont St. Anne um, in, at the 2019 Worlds. Um, seeing him absolutely send it into uh, one of the wall rides, like, insane. Just so good. So fun. Downhill's fun. Yep. Definitely They're go. If you, if you haven't watched it yet, definitely go watch at least the last uh, five or six runs and uh, the entire women's field. Uh, it, it, that was good stuff, Zach. Anything? Any any closing notes? Got nothing, man. All right, we'll see you all next time. The Slow Ride Podcast: Three Idiots Who Are Usually Wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast: The Titanium of Podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast: The Zwift Racing of Podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast: The Arrow Helmet of Podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. Sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast. When's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast. The experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official Fan Experience Zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast, the gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.